Well, in this episode, Steve O is in studio, also brain coach Jim Quick. We have the news as well, and we'll do all that right after this. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California. This is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, Steve O, and the author of Limitless Brain Coach, Jim Quick. Plus, some news and trending topics with Chris Loxamana. And now, fittingly, this intro is a warmed up leftover. Adam Corolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on the church. Get it on, Mandy. Get it on. Welcome to the show. Steve O in the studio. Yeah, dude. It's been a while, man. A little bit since I saw you. Always good to catch up with our friend Steve O. We got some news coming up. We'll tell you more about what's coming up. But uh, first, Steve O. Steve O's got a stand-up special called Steve O's Bucket List, and you can order it now at steveo.com. Shot in London. La dee da. The live portion of the show is shot in London. It's a, a multimedia affair, and the items on the bucket list are wildly uh, explicit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it was an exercise in doing things that Jackass would not let me do. They would not let you do? Yeah. Because? Uh, <clears throat> because some of it is flagrantly illegal. Some of it is triple <laughs> X rated. Oh, okay. Like, uh, <clears throat> I had... Um, a medical professional administer stolen general anesthesia drugs while I was riding a bicycle. I had another medical professional give me a stolen epidural right. drugs. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> Watch it, Chris point at Dawson, but he can't. Shut the mic off, Dawson. I think that's what I think that's what Chris reacting to. I heard him. There's no mic on in here. Oh, sorry, All right. Well, we we could hear something coming through, so maybe it was something else. There we else. go. Sorry. Not to worry, Medical man. professional, sorry. Yep. I, I did a, an epidural foot race with uh, stolen epidural drugs injected into my spinal cavity to paralyze <sighs> me while I was in a full sprint. How'd that turn out? That one was fantastic. I mean, I was on the ground sobbing. I was so overjoyed that <laughs> I had managed to raise the bar. So accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I heard people passed out. Or yeah. they pass out when they see these Yeah, we, we taped the special um, uh, two shows in one night. And at the early show, five people passed out. And at the late show, three people passed out. And this is just because um, the, the videos that I played during the show um, knocked. The, the, the main culprit is the, it's called the Vasectomy Olympics. Oh, boy. <laughs> now I'm going to pass, pass out. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your solo podcast, Steve. <laughs> Steve, I was just talking to my young son, and I can't remember how it came up. I mean, my son's seventeen, and I said something like, "Oh yeah, my you know my kids don't know jack squat about me or my career, hopes, dreams, loves. They don't they don't share any of them. They don't know any." But I sometimes I every once in a while I have to go. 
I used to do a late night show. And they go, you did a late night show? So I said, yeah. And then my son said, oh, was it that one where uh, Steve-O put his foot through the coffee table? And I was like, yeah, that was the one. And then he goes, oh, yeah, all my friends know that one. Epic. <laughs> now, I don't, he doesn't know anything else. He knows that episode. When I was done, when we were done with that infamous episode, by the way, I'm, I'm always prescient. I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, the, the, the Comedy Central executive, young woman, rushed up to me and said, what are we going to do? We got to do a, another show. What, are we, what show are we releasing tonight? And I said, this show. And she said, we can't release a show where Steve-O was shit-faced drunk and put his foot through the coffee table. Incoherent. And I said, it'll be the only thing anyone remembers about this show. And then 18 years later, I'm with my son and his friends. It was like, I don't know anything about that show, but I do know this one episode, which was my prediction. I, and I knew we'd be there. I remember. I, I don't remember anything because I was in a complete blackout for the taping of that show. Um, I woke up in my bed at home covered in blood. There was all kinds of blood in the bed and all over me. And uh, it just kind of came back to me what I had been up to that day. And, and, and I woke up just in time for the show to actually air. And I so, so sheepishly and, and just scared turned on the TV and kind of looking through cracks in my fingers at what. And uh, once it got done airing, I kind of thought, well, that wasn't so bad. That was cool. Yeah. I, oh, again, it's the only thing my son and his young friends know of right. that show. Now, how often did you feel shame during that time? Um. That was uh, in 2005 right. when we filmed that show. And, and it was very deliberate. You know, I went in with the game plan. I'm going to get drunk and see like, how, how high of a score I can blow on a breathalyzer. I ended up breaking the breathalyzer, as I recall. You know, it with just... your foot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I broke it with my breath. Um, and... Uh, you know, so it was kind of the, the what was intended to happen. I didn't even really consider it like a dark time. And 2005 really wasn't too bad. I mean, yeah, it was, but it was 2007. And then 2008, that's kind of when the wheels had fallen off and all the shame had really set in. And what year did you get sober? 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. 15 years. 15 years. Congratulations, Thank man. Thank you, man. It's amazing. It's it's a blessing for which I'm profoundly grateful. Right, because people say like if you want to get sober, you have to want to get sober. That that is, do you believe that? Um, well, Johnny Knoxville has to tie you up yeah, and right. you in a <laughs> van <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I think there are a lot of people who want to be sober but aren't willing, you know, to do the work. I just somehow became like just blessed with the willingness to do the work. I kind of consider sobriety a little bit like. Uh, like a cake, you know, you can want to make a cake, but until you get the ingredients and actually take the action, there's not going to be a cake. So really sobriety is for people who do the stuff that sober people do. Did you replace that with something else, which is a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people get off stuff and then they get into tattoos and they get really into tattooing or they get yeah. into skydiving or they get into some <laughs> other thing 
where they can <laughs> sort of prove that they're alive. You know, it gets replaced. Sex, yeah, you know. Absolutely. That, like, I, I got into a, sort of an addiction whack-a-mole where um, once uh, I, I had some kind of stability in my chemical sobriety, it was just wildly acting out sexually. I, started, I, am. I figured that from you. Yeah, I started uh, touring comedy clubs in 2010. And I, at the end of every show, <clears throat> I said, I'm going to take a photo with every single person in the audience who wants one. The philosophy of that was to send as many people as possible home with a photo that they could post on their social media and let everybody know that they were pleasantly surprised that Steve-O's comedy wasn't that bad. <laughs> and the... The other purpose was it was a glorified audition to find somebody to act out with. And as I approached 40 years old, I thought, man, this really isn't it. This isn't the path to happiness. What was the move when you found a candidate? Oh, when I found the candidate, um, you know, we would uh, exchange info, like, uh, you know, some kind of a, you know, an exchange of, of phone numbers. I think the, 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 the go-to for me would be to try to not give my phone number, mm-hmm. but, but get, get the candidate's phone number and mm-hmm. then call the candidate's phone number from the hotel room phone. Uh, was it a that <clears throat> night kind of action? Oh, yeah, it would have to be. It would have to. I mean, I mean, comedy clubs are there all weekend, so maybe it would be the next night. But, uh, yeah, I would be looking for a quick conversion how many of those candidates showed up with their husband or boyfriend <laughs> um to not, the to the show at least th- there was some of that there mm-hmm. there, there was some of that um I, I remember one uh was distinctly with the boyfriend and i did the exchange of phone numbers right mm-hmm. right there in front of the dude yeah it was it wasn't good not good behavior and um but you still banged her right that one ended up being an import situation. How's where, that work? Um, she said that, uh, you know, oh, actually, you know, with my boyfriend, this kind of just doesn't work. And then um, she went home. I went home. I ended up flying her in the import program. Ah, I see. <laughs> she had to pass customs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one came in from Canada. Wow. Yeah, so she did have to pass customs. <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah, so there was sexual acting out. Yeah, and... and it Is was, there worries about Me Too? Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think I've been... <laughs> Nobody uh, thinks so. I, I, no, but you were sober. I think I, that's, I was sober at that time, yeah. I think the difference is, is if you weren't sober during this sexual acting out phase of your life, You'd have a lot of question marks, like what did I, what did yeah. I do, or what did I say, right. or whatever it right. is. But you were fully sober. Yeah, I, I just think that for sure sobriety was, was helpful. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know that. So, what well made be- you stop acting out sexually? Yeah, it was well before the Me Too movement. Uh, you know, I would say it was 2012, 2013 when, um, when I, I, I made a decision that I wasn't going to act out anymore. And I just couldn't stop. I, it was this just textbook powerlessness. And uh, I ended up getting into therapy around it. The therapist suggested I go to an outpatient uh, 
rehab program. For sex. For sex, yeah. So I went to a sex addict rehab, and then I came out of that. You went to fucking A? <laughs> should be an old joke of mine. <laughs> That's great. Um, and, and uh, yeah, and I, I took it really seriously, man. They, they recommended a period of um, celibacy to be like 30 to 90 days or so. And I, I kind of stuntified the whole thing and, and actually did not blow a load for 431 days. Really? Yeah. I wish I was there in the... 432nd <laughs> day. I took a photo. Oh, you did? <laughs> I, yeah. You have to document this. <laughs> I, I, I took a photo of my tummy. <laughs> what? Oh. And, and I sent the photo to my men's therapy group, <laughs> as well as the therapist who was a woman, and everybody was just horrified with me. Um, Wait, yeah, that, all right, hold was... on. Let me just see if I can get this straight. <laughs> so, I mean, just like with substances, they go, yeah. look, uh, you got to stop drinking. Right. Right. So, but you can't ever stop having sex. Yeah, you're not uh, going to you're not going to cease to be a sexual being. Right. And they have that same situation goes with overeaters and not exactly. you can't which cease is, which is my new thing. Eating. Oh, is that your new thing? All right, we'll get into that. But so no sex for 30 45 days, 60 days, right? Yeah. Um but I don't know what their beat off policy is. Well, with sex addiction, um each addict will define what sobriety is for them. Mm-hmm. So for, for one addict, uh, porno could be perfectly fine. For another one, it's uh, super destructive and, and has to be stopped. And the way that, that sobriety will be defined is with what's called a circle program. Where oh, you, uh, said program. <laughs> you, yeah. you establish what's red light behavior. Mm-hmm. Red light behavior constitutes a relapse. Yeah, you, yeah. So yellow light, slippery, <laughs> be careful, but not a relapse. Green light, healthy behavior to be encouraged. Yeah, you, it has to be more nuanced than no more yeah. booze for you or right. stop slamming heroin. Right. Um, so. But I, you still haven't really explained the beat-off qual- okay. policy, although that can vary from it's person exact, to person. That's exactly. Right. Like some people have uh, – That wasn't your thing. It it was in the beginning because I defined it that – and you'll change things as you go. You'll work in, in consultation with uh, you know a, a therapist or, or a sponsor, a mentor. Mm-hmm. And and define your your recovery. And if if you're in a celibacy period, then that means beating off is is red light behavior. Uh huh. So you know? nothing. And you want four thirty one? Yeah, they'll even have a a masturbation plan where you say, okay, I can I can beat off, but not more than three times a week. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then and then you got like a dating plan. So I, I took it all very very seriously. My mantra was that I was doing the work to become the man that the love of my life deserves. You know, when I was like Beautiful. 22, we had a, had a few roommates like living in North Hollywood and we went full Seinfeld episode, but this was 1985, <clears throat> 1986. Uh no beating off. We we're going to we're going to figure out who could make it the longest. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh we had a shirt made up and it said cold jerky on it, and then there was a number underneath it, like like who won with uh-huh. how many days. So I dropped out almost immediately. I just like, um, I might be able to make it to whatever, double digits, but if I just drop out now, it's just 
I'll just cave. Fuck it. I dropped out. But it became between two guys. And they really had a battle. And at some point, one of the guys, a little guy, he got the number of days screwed up. The, 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 I, it, what happened was is one guy had set the date at like 22 days. And the other guy screwed up the math, and he was my roommate, and he came home from work, and he goes, uh, I go, what are you doing tonight? And he goes, what am I doing tonight? I'm beating off. I just yeah. beat the record. And I was like, you, no, you didn't. Carl still got three days, and he threw me against the wall. <laughs> he was, it was a small guy had the power of, of like an elephant. He threw me against the wall, and he's like, don't bullshit me. And I was like, I'm, not, I'm telling you, you got three more days. He had it all. Terrible news. Planned out, but 431? Yeah. Can we talk about that that day, day 431? Yeah. I, I can relate to the irritability. I was very, <laughs> I was very grumpy for, very grumpy for, uh, for the entire, I did not blow a load for the entire year of 2014. Mm. And um, the, 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 the actual first load was very underwhelming. Mm. I remember it being more watery than than uh, I was used to. Well, why did you decide to w- to do it that day? Did you, was that the uh, goal? It, it had come to a point where I, I recognized that it was that I had just shifted into what's called sexual anorexia, and that mm. it was really not. It wasn't healthy. At that point, like I was stuntifying it, I was making it like it turned this crazy into its thing. own creature, yeah. right? And and my my intention was to uh, to prove to myself and to my future partner, who I knew I had not yet met, that I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like so ha- no sex, no anything for right. that period of time. Having such a checkered past, I really wanted to sort of compensate in in such a manner that I could demonstrate to myself and to a future partner that I really could change. You're and, like a, like a whore who found Jesus Christ and was going to be bit. baptized this weekend. Yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah, except uh, baptizing happens on one day, and I did 431 days. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I had a couple misfires with relationships that weren't, um, you know— uh, compatible, and then um, I met who is now my fiance in uh, January of 2017. Man, been, so she got the good version of you. Yeah, so we've been together for for almost seven years, and that's uh, a sexually sober Stevo. So congratulations! After you, after you dropped your first uh, rusty load. <laughs> Yeah. After <laughs> after <laughs> four hundred some odd days, respect. You then uh, took a picture of it. Yeah. Of uh, sent a, it to a group text with the, the female <laughs> therapist on it, which did not go over well with the group. And the caption: "Clean up, aisle me." <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And what was their reaction? To they it? were just horrified that that. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, it just was like this is a, a, a men's therapy group which focused on sexual sobriety. The therapist was a woman, and um, it just wasn't appropriate. You know, like it's like don't. You didn't. But I would have thought, why doesn't he have enough insight into this process right. to you avoid this? Yeah, you know? I would look at it as like graduation. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a big deal. No, nobody was like. 
you know, trying to levy consequences or anything. Was, it there, was, dick, just, it, was there dick in the shot? No, there was not. Oh, okay. It was, so just, it was tastefully done. <laughs> it was just my tummy. <laughs> <Very tasty. Okay. laughs> yeah, so. no dick in the shot. Um, but yeah, you know what? Like with, uh, you know, with chemical sobriety, all the drugs and alcohol, God, I just wasted so much time and, and made so many mistakes and just created wreckage and, and all that. And, and to get past that frees up a lot of time. But then with all the chasing chasing girls around, again, huge time suck, lots of shame, lots of just not feeling good about who you are. And then now for the last almost seven years, I've had virtually no distractions, like just been focused on what I, what I want to accomplish. And I've got this great partner who helps me. Uh, who is your fiance? Who is my fiance? Her name is Lux. Yeah. She's a production designer. She works in... Uh, in the business, she had a bit. She had a big role in the uh, special. Yeah, right? she did. And the the this multimedia special, Steve-O's bucket list, um, these forbidden stunts that I described, which pay off each bit. Like after mm-hmm. each bit, you see the video of the stunt, mm-hmm. and the stunts are presented in descending order of my fiance's approval and support. <laughs> So mm-hmm. in the beginning, she's gung ho, like participating, facilitating, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> really into it. Gradually, she's less into it. Then, then she stops showing up, and then she's not showing up and having a real problem. By the end, like we're navigating real conflict in our relationship because of the danger of it. Um, or? <clears throat> the danger was a, a factor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the biggest conflict was um, over a, a, a stunt, a skydiving stunt, where, I mean, this was just so absurd. I said that skydiving is something that normal people do, and for me to do it, 20 years ago, I pledged that I would have to be butt naked <laughs> with another man strapped to my back and vigorously jacking off to completion with timing such that as I exited the airplane, I was ejaculating with a man strapped to my back. Mm-hmm. Very ambitious. <laughs> Did you photograph it and send it to the group? <laughs> um, I, I didn't send it to the group, but uh, but the coverage was unbelievable. And, uh, and it was a little bit weird because um, while it's not red light behavior for me, porno, I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't, I, I stopped watching porno years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in, in this case, you needed it. Work is work. Understood. Yeah. So I had yeah. a portable DVD it's player in the airplane. There's a very small airplane packed with dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me, when you said that, uh, the, you, you were talking about the contest you had with your buddies in the 80s. I had the exact opposite contest when we did the, the gumball rally where um, – you know, you, you had all the the car the, rally. Yeah, the car rally with the mm-hmm. rich people and the fancy mm-hmm. cars, and um, we did. A, it was a jackass TV show we filmed in 2001, and my buddy Chris Pontius and I were in the back seat of this car. We had an actual contest to see who could blow the most loads, <laughs> like during the during the actual rally. Mm-hmm. The rules were the car had to be full of dudes and in motion. Mm-hmm. You couldn't sneak one out. Right. You couldn't sneak one out at a rest stop alone in right. the car. Yeah, and uh, we ended up tied four loads apiece. And what <laughs> what period of time? Uh, five days. Oh, okay, that's it. Was, yeah, that's solid. 
pretty solid. Yeah, we were outraged <laughs> that outraged that the um, footage uh, uh, didn't make the cut. So <laughs> that's your art, man. They Especially you, go, with you should have went by volume. If if because I mean, the number it, of loads, very very difficult to go by volume. Especially moving that fast with the windows open. Is yeah. uh, so you were supposed to hit climax while co- jumping out of the. Correct. Plan. Yeah. The, the idea was to to pass the point of no return, at which point I give the sign, which mm-hmm. means get out of the airplane mm-hmm. and, and, and and just be be on, just on the way out of the airplane mm-hmm. because the coverage of of the climax, if if I was actually in free fall, would be more difficult to capture mm-hmm. and just kind of like falling out while I'm blasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It worked really well because there was a camera mounted on the outside of the plane, mm. which I effectively clobbered. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was behind you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like uh, I got my pullout game was strong. I got I got I got my wiener out into the wind mm-hmm. and blah. wow. <laughs> Jack and, has and, said no to that, and yet he had a. Cameraman, right? Yeah, there was a guy strapped to my back. There was another guy jumped uh, with the camera. Yeah, jumped uh, just a filmer falling. I'm just thinking about that guy because you know, two months earlier, he was working with Tom Cruise on Mission Impossible (laughs) Three. You know what I mean? It's like one of the claimed aerial photographers. Now he's dodging a load from Steve O in a Cessna. (laughs) The uh, you know the the opening sequence. I always make a big deal out of an opening sequence and it's very mission impossible esque. Oh really? Yeah, well that that is the ultimate mission yeah. impossible. You know, you know Bill Burr is a helicopter pilot. I have heard that, yeah. yeah. And I like my vision for the opening sequence was to to be on a rooftop with a huge helicopter dropping a rope ladder which I grab with my bare hands and and I'm whisked off into the sky and crashed through various things and then let go of the rope ladder to land on the roof of a moving tour bus and mm. then have the bus <clears throat> deliver me to the show. Right. And um, Bill Burr agreed to to be in the bit as the helicopter pilot. Wow. Yeah. So candidly, he's there. Candidly, the, the stunt happened on one day, and then we filmed insert shots with right. Bill Burr later. But it was so meaningful. That's cool. Yeah, to have, uh, you know, to have like, Bill Burr sign off on, on, uh, on my comedy was really... Uh, meaningful that's a get man yeah um all right we should take a break we got a lot more to get into with steve-o and we'll do that right after this let me tell you about angie homeowners you know it's a lot of work to own a home whether it's uh, everyday maintenance repairs or dream projects it can be hard to even know where to start all you need is angie your home for everything home find a skilled local pro who will deliver quality and experience over 20 years of home service experience. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie handles the rest. Look, you're busy. You don't have time to do all this stuff. Let Angie handle it. Take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit online. Visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A-N-G-I dot com. That's Angie. Let them do all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. 
The Adam Carolla Show presents Steve-O's Birthday Cocktail Party for June 13th. Let's see who's invited. Let's welcome the first First Lady, Martha Washington. Here's American mathematician, the subject of the movie A Beautiful Mind, John Nash. From A Clockwork Orange, Malcolm McDowell is here. And in this corner, it's world heavyweight champion out of Gainesville, Texas, Mike Weaver. I guess it's tool time because Tim Allen just showed up. Ali Sheedy is here. Singer-songwriter David Gray just walked through the door. From Weezer, it's Rivers Cuomo. Here's Captain America, Chris Evans. And now it's a party. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Steve-O is on the Adam Carolla Show. Wow, that's a murderer's row, man. That's one of the best birthdays we've ever done on this show. We've done a lot of them, so congrats. Congratulations. Very cool. The the beginning of the list was all news to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tell me, uh, am I a douche or am I not a douche for this one? Um, Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Okay. now we're doing this show before the holiday weekend, but my daughter is uh, going out of town and she's going to Chicago. And she, I said to her last night, uh, How you get into the airport, LAX? Got it. And she said, My boyfriend's dropping me off and he's parking and he's coming in. And I said, I don't think he should do that. And she said, Why? And I said, well, it's going to be a clusterfuck. The airport's going to be a clusterfuck. But L.A., they rape your ass raw at that park. I didn't say that. But I said, right. they fucking rape you. you. You could park for 45 minutes and come back, and it's $29. You know, because they, the, they know what they're doing. They do this 24-hour thing, but it's not incrementally 24 hours. The right. big hit comes in the first two hours, and then they back it off after that. But I was like... It's not like the old movies where you're going to be walking her up to the plane and and kissing her goodbye. You get <coughs> stopped at baggage. Like she's got to yeah. check a bag. And you you're not going to make it up the escalator. Yeah. There's going to be tons of people rolling around and banging into you. It's going to take you 40 minutes to park the car and find a space and then get back. I was like, I appreciate the effort, but don't don't do it. And she was like, oh, thanks a lot. You know, and I was like, I, it's just, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pragmatic. And, like, yeah. and then this morning, <laughs> he came over. And I was like driving to the airport. And he's like walking her to the terminal. I was like, yeah. I'm like, I don't think you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Same daughter, speech. My daughter started yelling. Like, thanks a lot. And I was like, I'm just saying, I, yeah. I don't know what you think you're going to be doing in the airport. But there's nothing Right. There's just a bunch of people in kiosks and people banging into each other and yeah. dragging luggage around. It's not it's not a romantic setting. I I think you tried. You you already tried with her. You you got to let her make the mistake. I uh strongly douche or not. Not a douche. Okay. And, and I'll take it a step further. We have a policy in my home that it's just plain stupid to even drive to the airport in the first place. Mm-hmm. You, you get a car service. Yeah, you, you Uber or whatever. You get, an, you get an Uber because let's be realistic. There's nowhere in L.A. that you're going to get to LAX in less than ballpark an hour. Right. 
And then the person who drives there has to drive another hour to get back. Right. That's stupid. Yeah. We've got better things to do with our time than spend two hours driving well, to the airport. A, a lot of it. So, uh, look, flowers are stupid and so is jewelry. That's the point. They like stupid. <laughs> they crave stupid. They need stupid. You can't get them a cordless drill. That's practical. <laughs> A blood diamond is stupid. Flowers that'll die in three days are stupid. The whole point with women is they need you to do stupid shit. A picnic where you, like, pick the daisies yourself and made the sound. It's all stupid. They want calories burned in the stupid department to prove it to them. All right. Well, then, by that (laughs) measure... By that measure, you're not a douche for being practical, and they can be stupid and and let that currency thrive. Also, as I was yelling at with Chris, and uh, and I said it uh, on the show years ago, but technology, we're there now. Can we get an airport cam? Can we get a camera at the end of the horseshoe at LAX that just faces back towards Sepulveda so we can see if it's going to be a total clusterfuck or light. Like a live stream, yeah. A live stream. Because I have been to the airport like Sunday night at midnight at LAX, and it's been packed. And I'm always saying to the person, what the fuck? It's midnight. Like, (laughs) Why is this place packed? And I've been there Friday at 10 a.m. and no one's there. And I'm always going, what the fuck? But if you had that information, like sometimes you're pulling up and you turn off the bulb and you turn up and you go, oh, shit, it's a traffic jam. Oh, fuck. We didn't plan on this is going to take an extra half hour. We didn't plan on this yet. Why can't we have this information? I just wonder if it would actually help because maybe the coast is clear and you think, oh, good, I'll give I'll myself, I'll, I'll leave another 30 minutes late. But then that changes. I wouldn't, I, all I would do is if it was a, I would check in like an hour and a half before I was supposed to leave. And if it was a clusterfuck, I would just go, we got to leave now. I didn't know the airport was going to be this. Now, holidays, it's going to be a clusterfuck. Yeah. So I, I have a, a, but do we not have this technology is what, is what I'm the saying. The technology exists. Should, I mean, sure. We have, we have it, we have it for. Why don't they do it? They do it for surfing. Yeah, surfing. They do it for. Say. They do it for yeah. an owl's nest. Yeah. We look at, we look at bird eggs. <laughs> yeah. Right. They'll, they'll, the condor. We'll put a camera on it and you can pop it up right. on your sure. laptop and check out what the condor's doing. Yeah, my, my policy is is departure time. I want the car service at my house three hours before departure time. Oh, wow. What the fuck? I, International? Hey, this is the new and improved Steve-O. Oh, no shit. I mean, He's like, punctual. I, I, uh, I just, three hours before? And, and then I, I'll feel perfectly comfortable letting the driver sit there for 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, maybe. all right. That's you a know. douche move. Come on. But, <laughs> but also think about it. He, he doesn't have anxiety. Yeah, that that you probably get when you leave a lot later. Yeah, it's true. We do it to our we do it to ourselves. They and they always send the drivers early, and I always have anxiety when they're when they're waiting, even if right. they got there early, because I I feel like oh they're here, they're here now. But you'll do that for within our own country, not international travel. Um, it, it, I tend to fly in the morning, so yeah, like I want to. I, I just I just hate. The the anxiety of like, I'm, am I going to miss my flight? Sure. I don't want it. You're you know? right. Like, I go to the lounge, I get things done, 
Like I, I that's my New Year's resolution. Stop cutting it so close. Yeah, for me. Sure. Like All right, it. you're yeah. right. You said technology, and and I remember recently somebody asking, "Do you know what the definition of the word technology is?" Mm-mm. Fascinating. It just means not natural, made by man. Mm. Oh, anything that's not that, that's made by man—that's the definition of technology. Isn't that great? Yeah, we never thought about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, all right, so back to uh, other other issues. Well, I actually, I, I have a question because we were talking about your sobriety. So, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I I grew up watching you guys. I mean, like, like it's a generational thing. Like, I, I mean, you were part of big part of my generation. Um, and I was checking. I was wondering if you have been talk, have you talked to Bam at all? Like, what's going on with him? Because I I keep seeing reports that he's sober now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that like, or he has to wear an ankle monitor and he can work outside of. <clears throat> He's got the ankle monitor off, as I understand it. But I've lost contact with him. We we aren't in communication, and then and, and I've re, I've relayed to him through other people, like a, a, a messages, a, a couple messages, and and it's come back very distinctly and clearly that he's not mad at me. He's not, you know, oh. but we're just not in touch. I didn't. And, didn't and, he put out like a diss track or something? <laughs> yeah. Like. There, there, there was that, and uh, and 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 we're all good. Oh, good. From, from what from what I understand, we're all good. And um, well, I, I, how good can you be if he doesn't right. want to talk? Exactly, that's true. But you're so saying like that, balls kind of good. in his court. Yeah, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even really worried about it. I, you know, I'm not. Um, I understand that he is just. Dis- Distinctly clean and sober, and I attribute that to um, his impending uh, criminal case, which would have grave consequences involving mm-hmm. being in a jail cell if he were not to be clean and sober. Oh, so, so and and a uh, uh, court situation is very helpful for a lot of people to begin a journey of recovery. Um, I think that. With that said, though, um, until there's some accountability, Mm. you know, like as long as it's everybody else's fault and it's every, you know, like the whole blame game and you can't acknowledge or take responsibility for your situation, then I think uh, any kind of sobriety is tenuous and temporary. Yeah. That's just my belief. Sure. So, yeah, I wish him well. Hopefully the nudge from the judge gets the ball rolling and then. You know, some what's his happens. court? What's his court case? It's uh, it's only misdemeanors, but the court is is very hip to the situation and uh, not having any sense of humor for for uh, more public intoxication and and you know domestic disputes stuff. But the actual charges are for an assault on his brother, yeah, and uh, terroristic threats. I think that there's a point – there was a little period there where he was very uh, comfortable expressing a desire to, quote, put a bullet in your head or in mm-hmm. someone – maybe in the third person. Right. So I don't know. This is all alleged, of sure. course. And, um, and, you know, all anybody wants is for him to be happy and healthy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely rooting for, for him, is. of course. And, and it's never too late. That's one thing that we know for sure – about alcoholism and addiction. Right. Not only is it ne- <clears throat> not only is it never too late, but 
the worse it gets, the better your chances are for getting better. Do you do you foresee a future of him rejoining <clears throat> Jackass? Like if it went like maybe in the next one? I, I mean, I I I can't imagine there yeah. being another Jackass. Oh, I mean, really? I, I I have a lot, but then again, I, I never would have imagined there would be that fourth one. Right. I mean, after, after ten years of no Jackass, all of a sudden <laughs> Knoxville's like, yeah, I'm ready to go, guys. It was so great, by the way. But yeah, well, thank you. Um, at this point, especially given. Knoxville with that last bowl, and I mean, he had a brain bleed, and yeah, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a passing of the torch. I thought, though, it, it was, and and if there if there's more jackass, that's great because you know, we people love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a phenomenon. I mean, you're still doing it. stunts, so it, it just it feels yeah. like it, it's a possibility. I'm doing stunts, but man, my body's starting to really like one week from today, I'm going in for knee surgery. I. uh I've got degenerative disc disease in my neck, which is like, you know, kind of n- not good. Of course. I've yeah. got like just even like the just uh, arthritis in my shoulder. And I don't even know that any of this is particularly because of stunts. I think I'm just. It, it seems. I'll, I'll tell you what. It does seem <laughs> kind of random sometimes. You know, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of guys who made it through. 15 years of football and are fine. And then yeah. there are others that are just, oh, I'm jacked up because I used to do, I used to lift weights when I was in high school or something. It, yeah. it seems not always connected to, to the activity. Uh, but speaking of stunts, somebody forwarded me this really interesting stunt from James Bond that I remember when I was a kid. And you want to talk about like an, an analog <laughs> stunt. I mean, that we used to, all stunts used to be super analog. Now there's a lot of CGI and yeah. computers and stuff like this. But this, I never really knew the story of this stunt. And I'm wondering if Steve O in his youth would have tried this one. I imagine you you would have. But it's the story of the guy Roger Moore gets put onto this little island, miniature island. When I say island, I mean ten foot by ten foot pad in the middle of a crocodile alligator infested <laughs> pond. And they all come up on him. And the big stunt with the movie is he runs across the top of the backs of the alligators to get to safety. Yeah. Uh, And I, you know, I saw it when I was a little kid. I thought it was cool, but I stopped thinking about it after that. And somebody forwarded me this little five minute docu-series on it. And the guy, not Roger Moore, but his stuntman actually did it like this wasn't even his stuntman. This was the crocodile right. farm owner. Right. The guy who owned the crocodile <laughs> farm, whose dad was eaten by a crocodile, did wow. the stunt where he ran over the back of three. He used three. So he's on this island that's 10 foot by 10 foot. He's got to run 15 feet, and he's going to step on the back of three croc- crocodiles. <laughs> Yeah, there was to a get video across. game. There was a video game called Pitfall. I think that you did that. Yeah, so we'll we'll show it to you. I think there's some narration here. It's kind of crazy. We now present all five of Roskananga's attempts at the death-defying stunt. He did it five times. So he ran across. Right, so here's the whole thing. You can pause it for a second. Oh, James. So the whole thing about James Bond is he was smooth. And 
I would have taken the first take, which is you made it across safely. But James Bond couldn't even splash water on a sport coat. And the first one, he kind of tripped at the end and grabbed the island, you know, safety on his belly. But they needed him running across smoothly and to keep running. He needs to be clean. Maybe fixes his cufflinks at the end right. or something. And, and the Gators are putting their – those are Gators. <laughs> but they're not trainable like dogs. How did they get them to stay there? I gave this some thought. Okay. Uh, they're not trainable like dogs, but this is 1973, and no one gives a fuck about right. gators. Okay. So tie them up. I'm sure down. they just kind of held them. They just kind of okay. lashed them down to where they are. Now, they're, f- they're spread out about three foot apart, just a-, a good length for you to step on them. Yeah. All right, let's see. Now he tries it again. Best one so far. Well, that's his first one, I think. Oh, it was. Okay. As he's about to jump, the crocodiles all do this because they're saying, here comes that guy again. Uh, I mean, they, they'd seen the act twice, and so they're then, waiting yeah, for the jump. Yeah, they knew again. it was coming now. <laughs> they're anticipating. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, now they're all up, and he's in between them. The wardrobe department had to be pretty bummed out, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this gets distinctly more difficult. Oh, I mean, he ended up with 153 stitches. Ah, and he's got his foot yeah. in the mouth of one of the Crocs. Now, yeah, 193 stitches. Oh, 193, sorry. First, Ross Kananga defies death for a fifth time. So wait... He tries it for a fifth time. Steps on all their backs. Lands it. And lands it and keeps running. That's a crazy-ass analog stunt. Would Steve-O, at his drunkest, try it? First, let me just get some clarity here. He had 193 stitches and then came back on another day? I think so. I mean, the guy works at Okefenokee Swamp. You know, his dad was eaten by an alligator. He's not a puss. Right. I mean, the, it, just the fact that that he... is wounded? Yeah. The, 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 that was pretty balls out, yeah. Yeah, okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and say no, that I, I wouldn't have done that at any time. Um, I... It, it reminds me of the first Jackass movie where there was a stunt I did called Alligator Tightrope. Mm-hmm. Where there was an alligator pit, and um, you know my my job was to walk a tightrope over the alligator pit. Everybody assumed because I'm a trained circus professional and uh, you know career circus clown that I knew how to walk a tightrope, <laughs> but I didn't. And mm-hmm. and um, so it was evident that I was going to fall. But even back in 2002, when this was filmed, like. Uh, there would have been a big problem with me landing on an alligator. That would have been like PETA, you know, animal rights. Like, so it it became clear that I was going to fall, but that I had the ability to catch the tightrope. From underneath, yeah. Yeah, and candidly, when I'm hanging from the tightrope and uh, and I'm going to let go and fall into the alligator pit – they made sure that I was not going to land on an alligator. Mm-hmm. And then they put the chicken in my jock strap and, and, <laughs> and uh, 
Then the alligator ate the chicken out of my jock strap. Now, <laughs> the reality is that I showed up that day assuming that my job was to get bitten by an alligator. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the end, I did not get bitten by an alligator. Um, and it was this iconic classic bit. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it <laughs> – Man, it, I'd, I would have a tough time imagining, you know. I mean, it just it was it's a non-starter because you're not going to step on an alligator just from an animal rights perspective yeah. on film. Um, and even if well, and back in '73 when nobody, right. all the rules are gone. Right. Let's assume that that there were no rules. Man, I'd have a tough time picturing myself. Doing that. <laughs> well, that's I mean, honest. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I have a tough time thinking that I that I would go for that. Yeah, this guy was a a badass, and they must have lashed him down, and they must have put him in shallow water, so they can't be in four foot of water because it's going to flatten yeah, out. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna drop down. <clears throat> so very cool though, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm very. Uh, I, I never heard of that. I never seen that. Um, really enjoyed that. It was, it's pretty quietly badass, and it's a stunt that probably lasts under three seconds, but it's still a crazy, hairy For sure. stunt. And it's also kind of funny that the alligators, who are just crazed 200-million-year-old reptiles, still catch on. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. on his third attempt, they're just waiting. Like, they know, they've, they've seen this movie this movie before. Right. And then also, uh, shout out to whoever the guy was who, who kept him in place, like who lashed him down or did, right. did that. That's, that can't be an easy, staged them. <laughs> easy, easy job. Yeah. But that was a, they also, it was kind of cool back in the day, like in the analog stunt days, which is sort of my feeling with like Vin Diesel's driving his Dodge charger down the side of a dam <laughs> now a rocket explodes like he's not driving a car down right. the side of a dam you, you know right. uh bond i don't know if it may have been this one or if not it was a 70s bond he he did the car barrel roll he did the the bridges out drove the car barrel rolled it in the air got completely inverted and came back around and landed on on all four tires too which is like old school analog practical you know, stunts yeah. unlimited yes i mean buster keaton was really the king of, mm. of all that stuff the Pratt falls the um what about tom cruise isn't he getting really known for his mission impossible crazy I, big budget crazy blockbuster crazy stunts. and and who you know these days first off who's going to tell tom cruise no I, I don't. I just don't think that he's heard that word in 17 <laughs> years now. If you want to do this, he might, they might let him. I got a uh, a follow up uh, apropos of nothing, but somebody finally helped me uh, a doctor. So during the uh, worst period of my life, when I say period, I mean several months. It wasn't wasn't like several okay. years, but it was a very bad, dark, down period for me now i didn't do like you know the the ones where it was like the rock star that was on heroin who couldn't find love my shit was just basically old school broke ass nothing's working nothing's working out old school poor bottomed out 
problems, you know. Okay, so this is a long, long time ago that you're talking this about. This is uh, 1994. Okay. And um, I was uh, living with three dudes in a rented house in, in La Cunada, California. And I had a girlfriend that was newish, maybe three or four, maybe even dating for like a month and a half or something like that. But um, she had a place in uh, Studio City, had an apartment, uh, and she also worked on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City at the Rain Tree Rainforest Cafe, I think it was. And, uh, and, and her mom was slated to come out from Minnesota to visit her and stay with her in her apartment. Um, I drove a piece of shit Isuzu Trooper. She uh, drove a piece of shit like Nissan Sentra. She came over to my house in La Cunada, La Crescenta, and uh, her car like blew a head gasket. And we didn't have money to fix her car. So she had no transportation, and, and her car blew up in front of my house. Um, her mom was on her way out here from Minnesota when the, the earthquake hit, the 94 earthquake hit. 94 earthquake hit, um, destroyed her apartment building. She got, it got red flagged, got like red taped, and her job got, got destroyed too. Uh, put the red tape in front of the building. So she had no job. She had no place to go. She had no a car. My job got red flagged. I was working in the basement in a gym, a boxing gym in a basement. My job, I had no money. She had no money. We had no jobs. And her mom was coming out. It was already coming out. And her mom had no money. And her mom, who was going to stay with her at her house, at her apartment, now had to stay at my place. So I had my two roommates and then her. And now her mom's coming. And the earthquake... I always, I never knew the answer to this, but it unleashed some disease that I caught. And I, there's an email, and uh, I don't know who has Dawson it. Dawson, it. Dawson has the uh, email. The email says, Adam, I've been listening to your first four years of Loveline episodes. They are great. I heard your story, December 1998, about the 94 earthquake and the weird virus you caught when your girlfriend was forced to stay at your apartment because her place was crushed and her car broke down. I guess you weren't the only one. The spores were released from landslides in Simi Valley at the highest infection rate in the country. I thought it was an interesting story. Wouldn't mind hearing more of your earthquake repair gigs and stuff like that. But here's what the public health thing says. (laughs) Following the 17 January 1994 Northridge, California earthquake, Ventura Ventura County, California experienced a major outbreak of cochididiomilis. Whatever, commonly known as valley fever, a respiratory disease contracted by inhaling airborne fungal spores. I woke up every night at four in the morning, drenched in sweat. I had lesions all over my face and tongue (laughs) and mouth. I had no doctor, no insurance. I did nothing. I didn't take antibiotics. I just had lesions on my face. Woke up, drenched in sweat every single night, and at some point, my girlfriend's mom knocked on the door, and I just, in a bathrobe, like, covered with sweat with lesions on my face, like, opened the door, and she just looked at me, and she went, oh, no fucking way. Like, no way. Where's my daughter? And I was like, like, ma'am, 
I'm in no fucking mood for this conversation. And she's like, well, you can fuck right off. And I was like, fuck you. I, you don't know what I've been fucking through the last three days. My life is ruined. Go fucking stay at a hotel then, bitch. She's like, I don't have any money. She's, what the fuck happened to your face? Like, what are you doing to my daughter? And I was like, I got no time. You can come and sleep on the fucking sofa if you shut the fuck up. I don't. I, I can't deal with any of this right now. Her fucking car's broken down. No one has a job. No one has a penny. No one has any insurance. And I don't need you up my fucking ass, bitch. And for my girlfriend, I was like, what happened? You guys talked to each other for 10 seconds. You're already screaming at each other. I think she came in and camped out on the sofa. The point is, is for the next 20-some-odd years, years and years, so then when I got insurance and I got money and I, I, I met Dr. Drew, I would well, keep saying to him, Drew, I had this horrible disease. I wake up covered with sweat. I had these lesions like on my face, on my tongue and stuff. And he goes, he always go, oh, you got herpes. <laughs> and I go, I, 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 I don't think I have herpes. And he goes, oh, you got herpes. And I go, but. I, how, how did I get herpes? My girlfriend didn't have herpes. She didn't have anything. And we were, like, living together, uh, not on purpose, but then I just woke up. He said, listen, let me tell you what herpes is. You get it. You get the fever. You get the sweat. You get the yeah. thing. Then you get the lesions. You got herpes. And I was like, listen, I don't think I got herpes. But he's like, there's nothing else. I mean, you got herpes. That's all. You have Not you got herpes. You have yeah. herpes. <clears throat> and I was like... I t- and that was it. And and then for for twenty five years, you thought you had I had, to, I had to live with that silent shame. <laughs> but thank God for this fucking hero doctor, who told me there were crazy spores that were uh, unleashed, and I got I got the fever. The I got valley the fever. I got the valley fever. Did you uh, get vindicated uh, by Drew? I, I yelled at him like two days ago. I was like, hey, some doctor told me about these spores of menophonococcus or whatever. And he went, oh, yeah, that could be it. It's <laughs> like, fuck you. Fuck you and your bedside manner. You could have put that option on the table 26 years ago. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll uh, come back with Steve-O. We'll do some news right after this. Hey. I don't know if you guys know, but it's See Better Drive Safer Month now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They have put a spotlight on items to help you see the road more clearly. All month long, receive gift cards after rebate on select wiper blades and bulbs. If your wiper blades are streaking and smearing, well, they're worn out and they need to be replaced. But good news, you can get up to a $20 O'Reilly gift card after rebate with purchase of select wiper blades. Their professional parts people will install your new wiper blades, and they'll do it for free. See the road better with new bulbs? Get up to a $15 O'Reilly gift card after rebate with the purchase of Sylvania Silver Star Ultra or select ZXE Twin Pack Bulbs. They'll even help you pick out the right bulb for your vehicle. Visit your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store for details. O'Rewards members receive two times O'Rewards points on select bulbs and up to four times points on cleaning supplies for your vehicle. Don't miss the See Better Drive Safer Month now at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store or shop online at O'ReillyAuto.com. 
Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand with thousands of free movies and TV shows. Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. In honor of Jim Carolla's 92nd birthday, here's a list of all the things Adam Carolla will do before he dies. Stop a crime by throwing something. When a guy steals a purse and starts running, throw a can of corn football style and knock him out. Just one of the things Adam will do before he dies. Let's get back to the Adam Carolla Show. Steve O (laughs) in studio. We're going to do some news. Yeah, so we're talking about um, technology Mm -hmm. and and cameras, live streaming. Well, there's this uh, mom. She live streamed her birth. Recently, mm-hmm. and forty five thousand strangers watched it. Her birth, I mean, her the birth yeah. of her her, her right. kid, her yeah. fourth kid. So she paid for a professional photographer to capture the moment, just to show that labor isn't <laughs> scary or gross. Okay, and a lot of people <laughs> tuned in. Mm. So I mean, like, like I think her and Steve will get along. Steve got a vasectomy on on yeah. camera because um, she said this is this is my last baby. I just want to I just want to uh, get. You should have live-streamed the ceremonial dropping of the load. Yeah, (laughs) I'd watch that, right? Every 432 days, our family gathers around. (laughs) Right after we light the Yule log, we watch Steve-O. Here's a question. What percentage of people watching were male versus female? Uh, We don't know, but what do you think? Now, there are definitely dudes that are into this. I do feel like it was probably more women. I'd like to think that. Um, That's going to depend on how she uh, distributed the stream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but also due to lack of midwives, she had to be rushed to the hospital to welcome her daughter. Um, She is a uh, hypo hypnobirthing teacher. So she's she's kind of been in the industry for a while. Mm-hmm. That's screaming more female to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just saying how many dudes I don't, like dudes showing like up at the nude beach just to check out the titties. Not really part of the yeah. lifestyle. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely more. I would say ninety percent, and the guys who are watching just happen to be sitting next to yeah. next to the women. Yeah, it's not really something because this happens to them. So I'm sure they would want to watch it to, because. They're scared of what might happen to their bodies. Yeah, I'm, I this <clears throat> I, this doesn't do it for me. I mean, I personally would not. Well, I'm thinking because because um, another thing with my generation is we are really encouraged to getting vasectomies. Uh huh. Right now, mm-hmm. are you totally? Wow. I mean, like, I mean, obviously when we're when we're ready to, but it's just so because you don't want. Um, you know, the girl to keep taking pills or hormones sure. or anything like that. So it's like, hey, why do I have to do all this when you just go in, get snipped real quick, right? And then we're done. It is mm-hmm. really easy. It, it is. It is super easy. But um, I, I feel that I, for getting a vasectomy, am the minority. I feel like most people are like, oh my god, why would you do that? And my answer is very simple. I have problematic DNA. I. Uh, I'm very bearish on the world. 
and and the mega threats that that we're facing um and uh you know i just like to have my my own life right you know so i'm selfish what's your problematic dna you're talking about the addiction uh yeah on my mom's side of the family it's 100 percent of the family tree like, oh really yeah it does not <laughs> skip a generation doesn't skip a sibling like it's a hundred. Well, was your mom an alcoholic when yeah. you were growing up? Yeah, <clears throat> big time. <clears throat> big time. Yeah, big time. Well, how did it manifest itself for, um, for you? I mean, every uh, member of my mom's side of the family is literally dead from alcoholism. So it's a big part of their yeah. DNA. Uh huh. Um, so, so yeah, it's just tough, you know. I um. And and I think it's probably more just about the mega threats. I, I, I feel like the that for for my parents, a university diploma meant placement in a career of their choosing. For my generation, right. not not so much. It was considered helpful but expensive. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you're just mired in debt and, and what does it even do? Yeah. You know, like so the dwindling opportunity, the the growing disparity of wealth the mega threats that we face. I just don't want it on my conscience that I created a person to deal with all that. If I did feel compelled to, to you know, raise a child, I would want to adopt a child so that I can take an existing, an existing situation and improve that rather than create a new situation that's just a struggle. Right. Is that on the table, adoption? I don't think so. My, yeah. my lady and I, we just want to uh, have an animal sanctuary. Oh, right, right. Tons of animals. Gators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Sure>. yeah, right. <laughs> All right, what else do we got? Sorry, I'm getting, I want to kill myself now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got kids. I feel bad. Um, so, Hall & Oates. Oh, man. They are embroiled <clears throat> in a confidential legal battle that has led to Daryl Hall getting a restraining order Against his former music partner, Good. John Oates. I knew this would come one day. Vindication. Yeah, Another- I can't wait. I, I saw on TMZ this morning, um, Hall is suing Oates. Yeah, well, over over music royalties is what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, as far as the restraining order, there's not much publicly available. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Hall has gone on to uh, diminish the collaborative aspect of Hall and Oates, um, saying Hall's that- the blonde. Right, Oates is the is, is brunette this, uh, or whatever. Right, is is this a Simon and Garfunkel dynamic where, like, clearly Simon uh, went on to greater heights than right. Garfunkel? Yeah, who's the more talented one? I I don't know. I mean, I I do feel like Hall does. <coughs> Sorry, uh, I got a cold. Speaking of Halls, Papa <laughs> Papa Lawson. Give me the Valley Fever. I I think <laughs> Hall. Hall seems to do his music at his house and brings his friends over to vibe and riff. And I know it's a TV show, but it it feels to me, you know, when somebody goes, oh, I love, you know, they they pick a a name, you know, Paul Abdul or something like that. You know, I'll I'll go, there's some people aren't actual musicians. And, And it's the same with comedy. If a guy's a comedian and it's in his blood and it's what he does, then he'll be up on a Tuesday night in front of a half full room at some club you never heard of just working shit out because that's what he does. The musicians are like, this guy's a musician, but he never plays and hasn't toured in five years. It's like, well, maybe you're not that into it. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not really your thing. So uh, Daryl Hall definitely does his thing. 
Yeah, so he exercises that muscle. Say well, that. Yeah. He, he's, he even went on Bill Maher's podcast saying, you think John Oates is my partner? He's my business partner, not my creative partner. <clears throat> so, I mean, he definitely has a bone to pick. Yeah, well, okay, so- the, 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 I, mean, I just got off the road, and the comedian that went on in front of me, um, the middle, the song they were brought up to was Maneater, and it bugged the shit out of me the whole the whole weekend. I didn't get involved, <laughs> but that fucking song is so offensively bad that it makes me violent. It just it was a makes, guy that was brought up. Makes me angry. Yeah, if it was a girl. Oh, yeah. here she comes. It's so bad. It's just it's I, it's I, I, the fact that we have to hear it nonstop is insane. Like when I am making an argument to aliens about what the fuck is wrong with our society. If it's if it's under three minutes, I won't bring up Maneater. But if it's over five minutes, I'm bringing up Maneater. I'm going, there's a horrible, horrible, insulting song that we cannot stop playing. Everyone here on Earth has here. And <laughs> most of the Dumbos think they like it, which is that now that's now we're getting some really dangerous territory. Fucking Maneater. Well, I hope, you they, hear I hope they sue each other to the both. <laughs> Fucking flat broke. <laughs> okay, so Hall is suing Oates, and Hall has a restraining order against Oates. Yeah. It would seem like uh, one of those things would be coming from either side, but not, it's not all, both. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So but, he's basically saying, I wrote all the songs, I should get all the royalties or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he said, I did all the harmonies, that's all me. You know, Oates isn't credited as a songwriter on Kiss My List, but he's listed as a co-producer, and he's Hall's like, whoa, I did mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, somebody agreed to something that they shouldn't have agreed to. I mean, how do you get this many years removed from That's it? right. Like, like, so what? Like, what, what's, what's right didn't happen, but what was agreed to got signed. Yeah. Sounds like, I mean. Something, yeah, something must have triggered this event. You know what might, nah, nothing's worse than Maneater, but adult <laughs> education is as bad because they came up with the title before they came up with the actual song. <laughs> adult education is a real piece of shit. But then again, all those kids in the Pink Floyd song, The Wall, like, yeah. like, uh, <clears throat> What fifty years later, like forty years later, they they sued because they were the kids singing uh, yeah. another yeah. brick in the wall. Yeah, and I think they came away with a bunch of dose. So maybe Hall's got a point. Ah, yeah, just get. We might as well do it now. According to some of my friends who personally know John Oates, he is one of the greatest musicians that ever existed. That's what they say. Greatest guitarist, or yeah. Oh, okay. Songwriter, everything, just music I was always, all around. Yeah, I was also under the impression they're both super talented. It'd be really tough to figure out who's better in that equation. Well, I can figure it out. Who wrote Adult Education and Maneater? And I'm just going to fucking pull their... Pick the other guy. Pick the other guy. Uh, maybe John Oates is a little bit like John Jones. You know, the greatest mixed martial artist of all time who just mm-hmm. doesn't even bother training. Yeah. And, like, comes off a weekend of alcohol That's and right. cocaine and just destroys his opponent. Just straight natural. Yeah. Didn't, and they tried to give you cauliflower ear. Yeah. Recently. <laughs> Right. All right. Who wrote either? And they, there's one other horrific song they have, which, by the way, the only thing that really gets me about Hall Notes is people love their shitty songs more than they love their good songs. And that just fucking 
angry. You know, you know who you know made a spirited defense of uh, Maneater? Jimmy Kimmel. Wow. Now he was, I could see Jimmy liking Maneater. He doesn't like it. This is his this is his it's this was just us arguing. It's like when I told him, they gotta make yogurt with uh, fruit in the middle. Fruck fruit at the bottom. You gotta dig it, goes all the way up your spoon, gets all the shit up the spoon. Go fruit in the middle. Someone should do fruit mm-hmm. in the middle instead of fruit at the bottom. And he's like, wouldn't work. I'm like, why not? Because it all just sink down to the bottom anyway. I'm like, no, it wouldn't. You just put an inch and a half of yogurt at the bottom, put the fruit in, and then put an inch and a half at the top. It's like, never work. But I, at a certain point, I realized we were just arguing. Sure. Which, which everyone will do when they share an office with someone just to, like, pass the time. So I don't think he actually likes Maneater. I just think we were arguing. Okay. Well, you're going to have to come up with a uh, new strategy to find out who's worth, worse, because I think it's probably all papered this way. It's Daryl Hall and John Oates. No. And then someone named Sarah Allen is also credited. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see how that happens without it being committed to contract. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he's piping up after the fact saying, hey, man, come on, dude. Like, I, I, I shouldn't have, I signed it, but it, but, but it wasn't right. I wonder if Sarah Allen was inspired Sarah Smile, which is a good song that uh, they have. They were, they were a band that was ruined by the 80s. They were fine with mm-hmm. the 70s. But anyway. All right. So All right. what? Good. Yeah. Good. Bummer. Let them never perform together again. <laughs> Unless they get offered an insane amount, she of was money, in a right? long-term relationship with Daryl, so most likely that is Sarah Smile. Oh, I should have been triangle. a fucking detective. I should have been a detective. Uh, yes. So Jim Ursay is trending right now because he's uh, he's on Real Sports, mm-hmm. and he was doing an interview with Andrea Kramer, and he's talking about his 2014 arrest for driving under the influence. And mm-hmm. the coach, yeah. Oh, yeah. the owner, Colt's owner. Oh, Colt's owner. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We're not. He's not a household name. That's what. Oh, I'm right, saying. right. Sorry. So, um, yes. That's the table. Yeah. Owner, owner of the Colts, sixty-four years old. So, um, he he was arrested in twenty fourteen, and here's what he had to say of why he was uh, arrested. Millers. I mean, I'm not saying that. It's a fact. So, why did you plead to the misdemeanor? Just to get it over with. Look, at, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just uh, the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. Do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a rich white I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I don't, you know, Andre, I can give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth. And I know the truth. Yeah. So. Love this guy. By the way, <laughs> I've told you this is fuck me money. <laughs> Fuck you, money is I got enough money. I'm I'm not settling. We're going to the lawsuit. Like I could afford an attorney, but fuck me, money. She just fucking say whatever the say. Yeah. Elon Musk has fuck me money. These <laughs> fuck guys us money. have so much fuck me money, which is so much better than fuck you, money. Yeah, that they can say whatever the fuck they want. And you know by the way, he's one hundred percent correct. Yeah, you know what that was? Get some asthma. Right there, right there. Congratulations. Get out of here. Now get on that other field and have some asthma. I, uh, also, I, I I don't like when people get really sanctimonious about shit. Like like let's let's put it to you this way: point oh eight is easy to surpass. No yeah. one knows that like Steve O. <laughs> <laughs> he farts right. and he's at point oh seven. You know, <laughs> point anybody who has three or four beers after the game or after the holiday party, whatever. 
that anyone can get a DUI. And I, I'm not right. now when you get multiple DUIs, we got a problem. And I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying we shouldn't all go, oh, my God. Like, it could happen to any professional, any anybody's responsible. Like, any everyone has been in a situation where that shit has happened. Correct. However. And we shouldn't overjudge ha- them. However, of people who get one DUI, those people are like, 80% chance they're going to get another one. Yes. Like, they're... they're Repeat offenders. I get yeah. it, but Andrea, start with the attitude on my second DUI. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. all I'm saying. She's... All I'm saying is we're making it like it's a big news thing. Like, what happened? And you pled... You know, first off, people plead guilty to shit all the time just to get it to... Just to bring it down and go away. Yeah. Kind of, right. kind of thing. I mean, she shouldn't be such a sanctimonious bitch about it. But his answer is 100% correct. <laughs> Right, Good. and and the, my question is, if the DUI happened in 2014, why are we talking about this now? Like, that is a very recent... Yeah, everything's yeah. a gotcha. Everything's exactly, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hear well, it the, again. This guy's my the hero. The police department in Carmel, Indiana, was very upset about this comment. Fact. So why did you plead to the misdemeanor? Just to get it over with. Look, at, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just uh, the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. Do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a rich woman? I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I don't, you know, Andre, I can give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth. And I know the truth. Oh, all right. I'm going to modify. I like him. I'll modify my opinion a little bit. They will pull up anybody, like celebrity, rich guy, uh, Migrant Mexican, they'll uh, most of the Mexican guys I did construction with had like five DUIs. Yeah, like back in the day, wasn't even a fucking thing. And they should get a cultural pass. Ursay also told Kramer that uh, he has gone to rehab for addiction 15 times and once nearly died of an overdose. This is the same billionaire, yeah. Man, but it's managed to make a lot of cash. Well, I heard it was inherited. I, I well, don't know if that, double that, check, but yeah, usually when you have billionaire with tons of addiction, you don't have super <laughs> successful business plan. You know what I mean? So it makes sense that mm-hmm. someone may have dropped the team off to him. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim Quick, who's uh, he's a brain coach. He's an author. <laughs> really interesting guy is due to join us. Shortly. Yeah, personal we... trainer for the mind. Yeah, has a lot of really interesting clients. Let's see. Novak Djokovic. Did he was Novak the one who wouldn't take the vaccine? Yeah. Fucking good still, on him, you fucking assholes. Um, Apollo yeah. Ono, Quincy Jones. A Rod. A Rod. Very interesting guy. Um all right. Uh let's see. Should be just a minute. Oh, so as people are gonna take a minute. All right, so let's do one more if people are gonna take okay. a minute. I saw something, uh, a tweet not long ago uh, that, that really kind of put the coronavirus mask debate to bed for me. Okay. The tweet was somebody said, 
Farts go through boxer shorts and jeans. <laughs> That's like, true. What's a mask going to do? And I was like, okay, I'm done. It certainly, <laughs> it, 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 it certainly puts the gator out of business. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, and by the way, if, if that paper mask worked on farts, then every time I was on public transportation, I'd be rocking it, and that would have started in the 80s. Right. Yeah, and I'd encourage everybody to wear masks on their buttholes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, some fart suppressors. I just wish that that tweet came out. Like, <laughs> you're so you're so fucking right. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to say goodbye to Steve and give him a plug. Yes. Steve O's bucket list. It's uh, you can order it now at steveo.com. And uh, it's what? really, really something special, man. I, I, it congratulations, amazing. Steveo.com is where you go. Steve O is great to catch up. With you. Hey man, always good to see you, and thank you for the the support, the love. I, I'm a huge fan, always have been, and it's great to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, Jim Quick, we'll do him right after this. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with a skilled art forger who made millions selling his fakes. I was a storehouse of knowledge of how to create an illusion, present it to a experienced expert and bring him to the inevitable conclusion that the painting is genuine. We flooded the market with my paintings and eventually the FBI were led to my door. They uncovered a mountain of evidence against me. But they never actually got you. Why did it go away? Why did you never get indicted? How are we having this conversation? <laughs> I guess that's the greatest story of all. To hear details of how Ken Perenni evaded the scrutiny of everyone from the mafia to the FBI and lived to tell the tale, check out episode 282 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's time to check Adam's voicemail. voicemails, but you never answer them. Then I realized you need to curse. So fucking fuck, fuck, fucking shit, fuck, motherfucker shit, cunt, fuck, motherfucking shit, cunt. See you later, asshole. You can leave us a message at 888-634-1744. Jim Quick is joining us via Skype. He is known as a brain coach and an author. He's got a new book. Limitless, and it's the expanded edition. It's available wherever you find finer books. Good to see you, Jim. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so you work with a lot of notable people, um, and we we mentioned some of them. Uh, you had me take a survey slash test <laughs> before before the show, which I I did, and we sent off to you. And then you were going to kind of decipher it. So I'm, I'm curious uh, what your what your thoughts on that are. Sure. In, in the new book, we talk about brain types and there are four animals that we related to kind of once you know your brain type, it allows you to kind of inform how you could read faster, improve your memory, improve your focus, hire, manage and parent so much more. And uh, so, yeah, people could take it at mybrainanimal.com. It's a four-minute quiz, nothing to buy. But it, it's kind of like personalized medicine based on your micro, like your 
your genetics or personalized yeah. nutrition based on your microbiome. Well, we're, yeah, we're but getting yes. into that now where we're, it's not one shoe fits all now. We're figuring yeah. out what your genetics are, what type you are. I mean, I think, and and we'll get to this, but and you tell me if you concur. I grew up in a world where you got shoved into a space, which is I played a lot of football. I'm left-handed. I have a right-handed stance because I started when I was seven and some old dude in a windbreaker yelled at me. I was right. doing it wrong and kicked my hand out and went, put your other goddamn hand down, son. What's wrong with you? And I was like, I, I'm left-handed. Put your right hand down. We didn't, that's how I was schooled. You know what I mean? Like school wasn't for me because it didn't work for me because I was like visual and I didn't read. And it's that way with sleep. You know, you know, you go to bed at eight o'clock and you wake up at six. Like some people are night people. It doesn't work for them. Some people take naps. Like we, we spent entire society of just trying to shove everyone into some sort of template. And now we're realizing, oh, maybe people are different. Maybe it's genetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, starting with school, it's kind of like the assembly line education, one size fits all, not appreciating everybody's strengths and the gifts and how everybody learns different. I realized after 30 years of coaching people on brain performance, it's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a different way of learning and reading and focusing and remembering things. And so we, we codified it, made it really simple. Uh, kind of like a what Game of Thrones character are you? Uh, we made them animals. So you, people could think of the acronym CODE, C-O-D-E. The C is the cheetah, and their primary trait is they act. They implement very, very quickly. They adapt very fast, and uh, they have very strong intuition. The O are your owls, and those are uh, very logic-driven, love facts and figures, doing their research. Uh, the D are your dolphins, and those are your visionaries. They could kind of see a future maybe other people can't yet see. Their, their traits are creativity, imagination. And then the E are your elephants, and their primary trait is empathy. They're very compassionate, uh, good with people, the community builders, very loyal. Uh, but it also informs how you, you know, we're known for, we have a big platform teaching people how to accelerate their learning, read three times faster, improve their memory. But I realized that you're right. Well, not one size fits all. If somebody's right-handed, it doesn't mean also they don't use their left. It's just there. That's how they learn. But sometimes if the way a teacher teaches is different than the way you prefer to learn and you're like two ships in a night and you pass each other, you don't even realize the other one's there. There's no there's no connection. And certainly you could try to learn something with your opposite hand, but it'll take a little bit longer. It feels a little uncomfortable. Quality won't be quite as good. And so, yeah, we want to break that mold and really personalize people's personal growth and uh, performance based based on this on this quiz. So that's a big chapter in the new book. Um, so I turned out to be an owl, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I I like. I mean, I like a crow <laughs> the best, but that didn't work <laughs> in the acronym. Although maybe with the code, the first one could have uh, been a crow. Either way, when cheetah. Or you would have went crow and ocelot and then uh, yes. switched up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what is an, what is an owl? So an, an owl has, uh, is a very, they're, they're deeper, they're deep thinkers. They analyze information and consider things from different angles before maybe coming to a decision. They prefer structure and logic. They value uh, knowledge and, and wisdom. They're methodical in their approach and their choices. 
Whereas a cheetah is different. They don't spend a lot of time thinking. They just, they act at lightning speed. They're very fast paced, uh, adapt very quickly, make quick decisions. Dolphins are more creative and more intuitive. They, they talk about the big picture. Elephants are more collaborative. They have a keen sense of empathy. Um, but it really informs like, for example, a reader. If you want to read faster, cheetahs tend to skim and scan. Owls tend to look for more details. Uh, Dolphins who are more creative tend to imagine uh, the story in their mind, thinking more of pictures because a picture is worth a thousand words. Elephants are more empathetic, and so they tend to read from the author's point of view and want to see things uh, from from different perspectives. But even the way they communicate, like cheetahs are, are very quick to the point. They don't want to beat around the bush because time is of the essence. Owls are certainly more methodical. Um, and you see this even in take, take anything. Uh, Harry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter would be a would be a cheetah, just acting and just in the middle of the fray. Uh, Hermione would be the owl, doing a very studious and study and knows all the facts and 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 uh, could quote things out of books. Uh, Dumbledore was a leader in the school, would be the creative visionary. The dolphin Hagrid would be the uh, the elephant that held all the kids together. But um, yeah, you can see that in Star Wars. You can see it in Star Trek. I mean, you just, you name it. Uh, James Bond, you can see it also as well. But um, yeah, when people take the quiz in the book or online, then we'll give them a prescription on how to approach their learning uh, so that they're using their dominant traits. Uh, so it's not one cookie cutter kind of factory, one size fits all. Yeah, I can't. I talk to Dr. Drew about this on a daily basis, and we can't figure out what the hell's going on with people and their thinking these days. Yeah. And how I was just listening to Bill Maher, and Bill Maher was doing this sort of breakdown of COVID and how just far off everyone was on what they thought about, you know, what's the chances you'd be hospitalized if you had COVID. And every Democrat they spoke to said 70%, you know, or something. And it was, you know, between one and 4% or something like that. Like we are really getting way off the reservation in terms of thinking. I'm, I'm now having a lot, I have fears now, mm-hmm. but there, we are missing a kind of pragmatic process that used to exist and is gone now. And I'm, I'm going to run a theory past you and uh, I'm, you tell me what you think. Uh, back a hundred years ago in this society, everyone had to think generally in the same way because there's only one way to raise a barn and there's only one way to dig a well and there's only one way to hunt. And, and there's pretty much, these are physical tasks and you can't be pie in the sky about it. Like you can't say <clears throat> we're hunting, but I'm not hunting because I feel like the deer Well, in my heart. I know that, that the deer meat should, it's like, it's none of that. It's get your bow and arrow, get your gun, get your moccasins. We're going at five in the morning. Like everything had a lane and I used to be a builder And when you build, you just build one way. There's nobody has a feeling or nobody knows in their heart or nobody speaks to their building truth. It's just a bunch of calculations. And then you go erect whatever it is you're erecting. Um, We got out of that world and we got indoors and we're now sitting at cubicles staring at our phones and we all got educated and we got off the farms and we got out of the 
really sort of tactile, you know, logging camp, wrench turning, barn building. And now we're in some ether world of ideas and everyone's brain has turned to shit. That's my theory. And technology could be a big contributor to that. We talk about in the book, uh, the four horsemen of the mental apocalypse. And it's the first one is uh, digital distraction. You know, these devices with every ring, ping, ding, app notification, social media alert, we're addicted to that dopamine fix and we can't even focus. We're flexing those distraction muscles first thing in the morning. And we wonder why we can't focus, uh, you know, in meetings, in a conversation with, with our kids. Second one is digital dementia, where we're outsourcing our memory to our devices. I mean, think about how many phone numbers you guys used to remember, you know, growing up and compare that to how many phone numbers you know today. And I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, but it should be concerning. We've lost the ability to remember one phone number or a PIN number or a password or something we just read or a conversation we just had or someone's name that we just we, we just receive. So your brain is like a muscle. It's use it or lose it. But if you put your arm in a sling for a year, it wouldn't grow stronger. It wouldn't even stay the same. It would atrophy. And that's I feel like part of our brain is, is doing that. Third one is uh, quickly is a uh, digital uh, deluge, which is this information overload. When we're hunter gatherers, we need we need to know where things were, where the fertile soil was, where the, where the you know, enemy tribe is, where the, where the food, clean water is. But nowadays, we're just drowning in information. You know, we have more access on our phones than Clinton did when he was when he was back in office. And so I don't think our brains really evolved to, to handle that kind of context switching. And so part of the challenges were take, like taking a sip of water out of fire hose and we're drowning in it. That's why we teach people how to process information faster, speed read, those kind of things. And the last one, which you're alluding to, is uh, I call digital deduction, just to alliterate with all the Ds. And that's the our devices are not only remembering things for us, they're, it's doing a thinking for us. So we don't even have to think. I mean, you think about getting from here to there, everyone puts on their phone, they go on ways or maps, and then they, we don't have to build that visual spatial intelligence anymore because our devices are doing it for us. And yes, it's convenient, but it could also be crippling because we don't have to, digital deduction, I came up with that term because I read uh, some research saying that this generation actually has, for the first time, worse analytical, rational skills than the previous generation. And they're attributing it to technology with algorithms. It just kind of tells you. In school, it tells you what to learn, like math, history, science, Spanish, but there's zero classes on how to learn, how to think, how to focus, how to remember things. And I think it's one of the most important skills to master today in a world that's constantly changing with AI and just this digital overwhelm. What are some, yeah, I think we we agree and, and how could it go any yeah. other way? And I think the two things that I've sort of learned in the past several years is your brain isn't just your brain. It needs a workout. And yeah. your your gut isn't just your gut. It needs a workout, too. And if everything has been digitized for us and mechanized for us and sanitized for us, then the brain and the right. gut aren't going to get any kind of workout. And this is why I've, I've railed against Purell and all the hand washing and all the sterilization of everything. I, I, it's a bad move. There's down-the-road consequences that we're not thinking of right now. They're already sort of coming home to roost, and there's going to be more of it. And so it's basically us thinking we're evolving but actually hurting kids and hurting ourselves in the process of this evolution that we think is toward the light, but the light is a train coming the other direction. 
Yeah, I mean, kids, certainly this generation is overprotected. Uh, yes. You know, we, we could hurt, you know, people's feelings or over sanitize things. And, you know, human beings are the ultimate adaptation machines. And but we're not getting the stresses. And if we're overprotected, we're not we're not evolving because the only way to build a muscle is by giving it some kind of some kind of stress or stimulus. It's just like even if you go, someone goes to the bank and it's eight blocks away, if we don't walk it and we just take a car, Yes, it's convenient, but we're not getting our, you know, you're not getting your body in there. If you, if your office is on the fourth floor, your apartment's on the fourth floor, you're taking an elevator every single time. Yes, it's convenient, but it's also crippling. And now we're behind screens all day. We're sitting. They say sitting is the new, uh, new smoking and we're not even moving like, like we used to. And as your body moves, your brain grooves. It's so important for your mental development is just uh, the physicality of just interacting with our environment. Yeah. I've always, I noticed. Early on in life that when I was young, like 15, 16, I had a friend named Johnny lived down the street and our greatest love, and this is pre-video games and all that other stuff I wouldn't have had. Or, uh, well, to be fair, video games existed, but not for the Corollas because they cost money. If it costs yeah. money, plugs in, or brings joy, <laughs> the, the, if you check any of those boxes, is not coming to the Corolla house. And... John and I would go on these marathon walks almost every night. It'd be 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and we'd just walk five miles around North Hollywood, and we'd just walk, and we would talk. And it was so simple but so satisfying. And you really looked forward to it. You'd get excited, like like now if you were going to a concert or a ball game or something, a movie or something. But I always got that walking and talking were much better than sitting and talking. And then at some point, one of my friends read to me a study about the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere and how your body shifting right to left um, aids that process. And it it made sense because I just realized some of the best conversations I've had were walk related. Yeah, I do. We do a lot of our, our meetings through walking. I do most of my phone calls, just trying to stack doing that while I'm, while I'm taking, getting my steps in, walking around the neighborhood, walking down the block, because as your body moves, your brain grooves. Actually, when you exercise, you create something called brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for your brain, for uh, for make uh, neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, our brain's ability to make new connections and create new brain cells. But it's, it's absolutely critical. The number one reason you have a brain is to control your movement. You see this even in child development as they learn how to crawl. It's so very important because those cross laterals literally below the neck half your brain controls the other side of your body and vice versa and by using your body in different ways even if you challenge yourself to brush your teeth with the opposite hand or eat with the opposite hand it stimulates the opposite side of your brain and uh, and also it forces you to be present in a world where we're constantly distracted i, I really think that focus is more like a muscle and it's uh, the challenge is that the first thing you pick up in the morning is your phone you're rewiring your brain for two things that's hurting your productivity your performance and your peace number one for distraction we already talked about that because every like share you know cat video whatever is just drive driven us to distraction but the second thing is when you're in that relaxed state when we first wake up we're rewiring our brain for reaction meaning if you're just responding to emails and fighting fires and one voice message could kind of throw off your mood the entire day day, as opposed to being proactive and, and leading and just saying, hey, this is what I want to be able to do today. And because I think it's not even about time management, it's more about mind management and priority management. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. But so many people have so many different windows open in their mind and they wonder why they're depleted just after a couple hours of, of work. 
right? I'm mean, just because yeah. of our brains aren't getting the, the nutrition or it's not getting the proper exercise and fitness. Well, maybe this is the owl in me talking, but I, there's two ways you can approach your phone. There are people who it will create anxiety if they can't access their phone. Like you said, they wake up, they look at their phone, they can't leave the house without the phone. Um, my wiring is the phone creates anxiety. I go the opposite way with my phone. I am yeah. sit in this studio every day for two hours, and I've never brought my phone inside of the studio. Yeah. And not only is my phone not in the studio, it's off. I don't turn it to sleep. I literally shut it. Now, I'm an idiot who doesn't know technology, but it's more of a statement to me, which is I – my anxiety is when I turn the phone back on, what's waiting for me on the phone, not not having access to my phone. Because I right. can make a pretty good argument that I'm smarter than you are because I would rather avoid whatever's on that phone waiting for me, whatever piece of horrible news is, awaits, awaits my attention. So yeah. I literally have anxiety because of the phone. Yeah, it's, it's driving people. I mean, think about, I mean, overload, distraction, reaction, you know, that digital dimension, deduction. I mean, you know, all the context switching, it's exhausting going through just scrolling, doom scrolling all around, comparing, you know, your life to everyone else's life, a highlight trailer. I mean, there's there's some real challenges. My, my approach with technology is not necessarily good or bad. It's just how it's applied. Like fire is an early form of technology. It could cook your food or it could burn down your home. It's just how it's used. My challenge with our devices, and, uh, and I'm sure some of your listeners can relate, is when we pick up our phone out of boredom or just habit, Right. We can't go more than just 60 seconds without touching that those devices is always within arm's length. Then technology is a tool for us to use. But if the technology is using us, then who becomes a tool? Then, then we become the tool. And it just feels like it's a little bit backwards. So I think sometimes it's very important for all of us to take some time to disconnect, to reconnect. Right. Our, our brains aren't meant to be, you know, connected completely all the time. And every so often we need to take time to recover and refresh. And, you know, I understand people's impetus to stay plugged in all the time, but you're right. I mean, we didn't, our generation, I'm in my fifties. We didn't, we didn't general, we didn't grow up with cell phones, right? It's, 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 what's really concerning seeing these kids on these devices. And it's like, it's like crack, right? They, 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 if you take that device away and they just go hysterical because yeah. they just don't know what to do with themselves with all the flashing lights and noises and, right. and, uh, you know, all the challenges there. So yeah, it's, it's, well, a, it's a tough situation. My disappointment with technology is I always thought, I guess the early uses of the computer, you know, so back in the day, pre, pre all this, you'd get into some dispute. I remember I once remember argued with Jimmy Kimmel that Steve Yeager, the catcher for the Dodgers had had more than 20 home runs in one season, the Dodge. I thought he was a home run hitter. Uh, he wasn't. Jimmy said under, I think 18 was like the best that Steve Yeager, catcher for the Dodgers, had. Um, but you'd have to go find some baseball almanac and look it up. You know what I mean? Right, right. <clears throat> and then it all became in, in the palm of our hands. Now, if Jimmy and I had that argument today, it would be settled in less than three minutes because mm -hmm. he would just punch it into his phone. And then I thought, well, that's good because this is going to settle a lot of arguments. So I thought this device was going to work. 
And then COVID came around and, you know, Ukraine and Israel and everything under the sun. And I realized we're not solving any arguments. We're having more arguments because of this device. I thought we were going to be able to figure things out. Like, yeah. you know, we didn't, somehow we couldn't figure out if a paper mask was effective. That took three years or whatever, whatever it is. I thought the phone was going to do that for us. Turned out expanding the argument. That's... That's what I didn't anticipate. Yeah, technology again. It, it, it's everything before before this technology. Everything was local and linear, right? You would only know what's going on based on what's going on in your village, what you could personally witness and see. Uh, it was very local, and you know, thirty steps linear. You could see out where thirty steps is, but today everything is global and it's it's exponential. And, th- and thirty you know exponential steps will take you around around the earth. I mean, something happens and you automatically hear it. And there's obviously a lot of opportunities for for misinformation also as well because everybody has uh, agendas. So that that's more even more of an argument for people to really invest in their own brain and just uh, in their own critical thinking their own ability to be able to step out, use common sense and simple math. Uh, but those those faculties haven't we have to dust them off because they're they're a little bit uh, they're a little limp because we just haven't exercised those. And then certainly in school, they don't teach you that. Right. School was meant to really create workers, uh, people yeah. that just think in a very specific way, follow directions. Uh, it also tested only for like what was it? Even the SATs was just like verbal and mathematical, you know, but what about all the other gifts and geniuses, kinesthetic intelligence, the great athletes, mm-hmm. the musical intelligence, interpersonal intelligence, people are great with people, uh, visual spatial intelligence, uh, people are great artists and graphic designers and architects. I mean, just they say if Rip Van Winkle woke up, the guy who slept for decades, if he woke up today, the only thing he would recognize are our school systems. Right. Because our schools haven't evolved as much as the world. We live in an age of autonomous electric cars, spaceships that are going to Mars. But our vehicle, when it comes to learning, is often like a horse and buggy. And we wonder why we're stressed. Yeah. Right. Um, And that that could be a big challenge. But really, it starts with agency and the ultimate technology. I I still think I'll argue for it is just found between our ears. You know, this three pound matter between our ears that doesn't come with an owner's manual and our brains aren't always user friendly, but this is the technology that has created all the other technology. But, you know, people upgrade the latest phone, the iPhone, their apps and the latest whatever devices. But when's the last time we took time to upgrade the most important technology that's created all other technology? So well, we're, oh, we're, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so we're, we're nearing the end of the year. So a lot of people are thinking about New Year's resolutions. Is yeah. there like a daily lifestyle change that you recommend that would be beneficial for uh, the brain? Yeah. I mean, we know that resolutions don't work. Right. Um, you know, in, in January 1st is such an arbitrary day, right? Um, I believe that first you create your habits, then your habits create you. Uh, you create your habits of doing, you know, whether it's movement or eating the right, eating good food or taking time away from your phone and being out in nature. And then those habits certainly create you back. Uh, one, one habit to get into is just asking yourself, because again, if, if you were, if you were, let's say, given a car when you were driving age and that was, for free. And that was, but that was your one car that you had for the rest of your life. How well would we maintain that car? Well, we were given this body and part of that body is its brain. And this is the one we, this is the vehicle we have going through life. So how well can we, and nobody does it perfect. Right. Um, but I really do believe that, um, 
you know, even asking ourselves a question, is this good for my brain or is this bad for my brain? I always wear a brain on my chest or people see me on social media. I'm always pointing to my brain because what we see, we take care of. You see your, your skin or your car, your clothes, whatever, your home, because it's in your awareness all the time. But we don't see the thing all the time that takes care of us, which is, which is our brain. And so I would say, uh, start by asking a good question. Is this good for my brain or bad for my brain? I mean, we know that one third of your brain's performance is predetermined by genetics and biology. Uh, two thirds is in your control. And so there are 10 levers that could help you have more of a limitless brain. And this is something I'm very passionate about. If people see me on stages uh, where I'll, I'll pass around a microphone in an audience and a hundred people introduce themselves and I'll memorize all their names or they'll give me whatever, hundred numbers or words. I don't recall forwards and backwards, but I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's possible because the truth is all your listeners could do that and a lot more, regardless of their age, their background, career, education, financial situation, gender, history, IQ. We just weren't taught how to do that. And the reason I know it's possible is when I was five, I had a really bad traumatic brain injury in kindergarten class. I took a very bad fall head first into an iron radiator. And from there, I had learning disabilities. I was put in special education. It took me three years longer to learn how to read. I had migraines every single day as a child. I had processing issues. I just didn't learn like everybody else. And eventually, 15 years later, I learned how to overcome it. And that's where I do now for a living is, is teaching people how the best brain. But there's a very specific diet that's good for your brain. There's, there's ways of optimizing your sleep that's good for your brain. There's ways of managing stress that uh, obviously is chronic stress will shrink your brain. But going back to the fear part, this is what I'm really concerned about is you, there's an algorithm in social media, right? Whatever you engage with, the algorithm gives you more of. It shows you more. So if you engage with all the cat posts, whatever, they show you more cats, that's your newsfeed. Well, our brain has a similar algorithm. So if you just watch whatever is just gloom and doom and threatening and scary, if it bleeds, it leads, whatever you engage with, your mind starts looking for this stuff all over the place. And then you get you get put in this fight or flight. And then also it'll suppress your immune system where you make you more susceptible to colds, the flus, the viruses, whole area of science called psychoneuroimmunology. But the point I bring this up is chronic stress will actually shrink your brain. So we have to take control. And I remind people that they are the pilot of their brain. They're not the, the passenger of their brain, that we have agency, we have sovereignty, we have this level of freedom, and you always control what you can control. There's a quote in Limitless that says, life is the letter C between B and D where B is birth, D is death, life C is choice. That these difficult times, they can distract you. They're doing a good job for most people. It could, these difficult times can diminish you or these difficult times, they can develop you. But we ultimately decide with the choices that we make every single day. You know, whether we took our phone and put it outside the room so we can just focus on the work or what we're going to eat that day or how we're going to relate to people. And all those choices make a difference. What, uh, lastly, what is a supplement or a diet, you spoke of diet, that is advantageous yeah. uh, to nurturing. Yeah, in, in, in Limitless, we have whole chapters on something called neuronutrition, that there's certain foods that are really good for your brain. Uh, foods like avocados, uh, blueberries, I like to call them brain berries uh, for people uh, to eat meat. The creatine in meat is so very important. People think about creatine as a, as a workout supplement, but it's incredible for mental energy and vitality. Eggs, if your diet allows, the choline in eggs is so, at least to acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter, which is is important for cognitive health and cognitive performance, or you could supplement, you know, also with these things also as well. Probably one of the most important brain supplements is omega-3 fatty acids. Your brain is mostly fat. And so if you're not getting it from like wild fish or sardines, maybe some flax seeds, so very important. So what you eat matters, especially uh, for your gray matter. 
Uh, the book, Limitless, Expanded Editions, available wherever you buy finer books. And uh, we'll give the website out, Quick Brain. It's, yeah. it's, it's K-W-I-K. Yeah. I, I would challenge everybody, Adam, if it's possible, com. take a screenshot wherever they're consuming this and post it and tag tag Adam and the team, tag myself, and post one thing you're going to do for a better mm-hmm. brain. People get the book at LimitlessBook.com. We're donating all the proceeds to build schools for children in need. Uh, in Ghana, Guatemala, and also Alzheimer's research in memory of my grandmother. But the, the the point of this is your brain is is everything. It's your number one wealth building you know asset that we have, and it's use it or lose it. So the book will help you get to learn faster and optimize your brain and so much more. Thanks, Jim. Important um, message. Everybody. Keep spreading it. All right, Jim. Quick, everybody, and let's see. I am going to be in Fargo. North Dakota, playing a theater, doing stand there November 30th, and then uh, Nashville, Zanies Comedy Nightclub, December 1st and 2nd, doing uh, four shows out there. Say hi to Dawson, November 29th in Austin, Vulcan Gas Co. And until next time, Adam Kroll for Steve-O and Jim Quick and Chris Max Patton, saying mahalo. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744 and you can get your tickets to see the Ace Man and tickets to see Mike Dawson at adamcarolla.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.